This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. First of all, um, I would like to thank at this point really two organizations. One is called Alashon for putting me on the um, telephone for many, many years. And uh, the new boy on the block, TorahAnytime.com. Today, Baruch Hashem, not... not um, not to be a Balgaiva, because it really has nothing to do with me, but just to show you that uh, technology does have some use. Um, Baruch Hashem, since January 1st, today is April, what, 15th? 15th. So you're talking three and a half months? Three and a half months, Baruch Hashem, there have been 25,000 hits to see just my shir. And there's, what, 30 rabbis on there? So there's, there's 30 rabbis, right? Okay, so you, 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 do, you do the multiplication, there's 30 other rabbis on this, so, what, 60 other rabbis, so there's hundreds of thousands of people that are learning Torah, this room only can fit 600 people, 800 people, but Torah anytime can fit, can fit as many, you know, that want to see the shirim, so it's absolutely amazing, uh, I can't get away with anything anymore, wherever I go, they know what I look like. So I mamish have to behave. I wish this Torah anytime would have been when I was 20 years old, because then I would have been a good boy for the last 30 years, not just the last couple of months. But it's uh, everyone should know that this Torah anytime on all of you, because in Shemayim there's a camera on all of you, and they're watching in Shemayim what you're doing. So uh, they know what I look like because I'm on Torah anytime. Well, let me tell you, they know what you look like up there too. So uh, we have to learn. We have to learn, you know, a, a Muslim Haskell from it. It cost them a lot of money to run this, to, to, to you know, to take care of it. I told them they should do some advertising on on, uh, on the internet on, on Torah anytime. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I think they're going to look into it. But that's uh, that's far away and far between, and it's really um, it's really tzedakah. Someone came over to me uh, this week. We're having to be in the share right now, and he moved to Seattle, Washington, and he said, "Rebbe, I said, no, I miss you." He goes, "Rebbe, don't worry, I see you every week." He already knew the story from last week. I want to tell him the story. He knew it. He saw it already. Um, so there are people in Seattle, Washington, that are that are watching this year. So it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. And if you help them, so anyone that gets on to you know that watches this year, it's like it's like supporting someone who's learning. So it's it's important to help them. And um, they're, they're, they're just, it's just amazing. You know, it's like I I asked him what how he came up. You know, how he came to this idea. I guess the same way I came to Ornav Hashem. Just gives you an idea and you run with it. You know, I'm sure a lot of other people had ideas to put Torah on the on the internet, and uh, they just ran with it. They're running around to all these shiurim and uh, they're making it happen. For me, 25. I'm just trying to figure out all the time I was mavatal as a kid that I didn't learn. So I'm just keep adding 25,000 times a thousand hours. I'm trying to figure out how many years that is that I, you know, to make up for the time I didn't learn. But uh, I think we need to hit it like 50,000 a month for me to catch up. But Baruch Hashem, it's, 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 it's absolutely amazing, and, and Bifahesi, I would like to thank them, and I'd like to thank Kol Aloshan, and um, they should just keep doing it, keep being Marbet's Torah. It's unbelievable. Okay. Anyway, so Pesach is coming. We spoke a lot about it, and I've been speaking a lot about it for years, so um, I'm sure you don't want to hear over every year the same thing I say every year. So we're going to go into a little bit of a new, um, some new ideas. A little bit new ideas, a little bit old ideas. Well, first of all, Bedikas um, Chametz. So Bedikas Chametz is tomorrow night because we can't do it Friday night, right? Which is the night before Pesach, and we can't do it Motzei Shabbat because Motzei Shabbat is the first Seder. So we push it off 
It's a Thursday night. So tomorrow night is Bidikas Chametz. And when you do Bidikas Chametz, you're supposed to go with a candle and a spoon and a feather. And that was the way the minig of the old days because, because a candle can go into corners and a flashlight can. Of course, don't burn your house down. Um, and the feather gets into corners also. And really, you know, the tzaddikim, when they did Bidikas Chametz, it was a very long process. There are people that do Bidikas Chametz. It takes them six hours, eight hours, and they have a two-bedroom house. But they go very, very, they check everything. And the most important thing all the Rebbe say is that when you do Bidikas Chametz, is to check yourself. And that's the real Bidika. To go inside yourself into all your crevices. And tomorrow night, before you become, before you go Pesach and sit by the Seder, to do some introspection of uh, who am I? Who's Wallstein? Who's Schwartz? Who's Friedman? What am I doing here? Why am I in this world? What's, what's, what am I here to accomplish? I saw very beautiful in the, um, Kavayasha today. Actually, it's the first, the first parak in Kavayasha. And he says that why does, why, why does a person have chachma? Why does a person have wisdom? A person has wisdom to use it to serve Hashem. Because Hashem takes this neshama from underneath his kisra kavod. Our neshamas are underneath his throne, so to say, right by him. And he puts it in a human body. And the question is, the truth is that the neshama is much happier up there. Right? It's much happier up there. So why you, why you do, what kind of favor are you doing the soul by putting it into my body down here where I'm going to do all kinds of stuff? So the Kabbalah Yosha says, it's a very deep thought, that a mitzvah, when a person does a mitzvah, when you're going to sit Pesach and you're going to eat matzah and marah, and of course the, the, the Yitzhahara, he's very into after you do the mitzvah, he lost, right? You have this fight. I don't want to eat matzah. I do want to eat matzah. I don't, right? And you eat matzah, so now he lost. But if you turn around and say, ugh, that stuff tastes disgusting. It tastes like cardboard. Or I'm constipated. Or it's, it's the worst thing I've ever ate and I'm getting fat. And you complain about the mitzvah, you lose the mitzvah. So you have to be careful that the abacrosos and the, even the moral, whatever you, whatever you do on the, by the Seder, it has to be something that you're going to talk good about it. Not, you know, oh, I hate matzah, and I hate this holiday, and I hate... Then even if you do the mitzvah, he's going to take it away from behind you. So he, he sometimes gets beat up front, but then when, you, when you're miserable about what you did, then, then uh, and you have charata, and you feel bad, like, oh, I ate all this matzah, I can't believe what I feel like, you know. That's, then you're going to lose the mitzvah, so that's very silly. You're, going to eat the, you're eating the matzah anyway, you might as well get the mitzvah. But Badika's chametz you'll find the Yitzhahara will make it very... Bidikas Chametz is really right after Meir tomorrow night. When Shkia now? Shkia is 7.40. I mean, I mean Thursday night, I'm sorry. The Thursday night, Shkia is 7.40. Tzaytzak Echavim is usually 40 minutes, 45 minutes after. So sort of like 8.30, 8.25, 8.30, you should be doing Bidikas Chametz. Right after Meir. You should die Meir first, and then you should go do Bidikas Chametz. You're supposed to do Bidikas Chametz right away. You will find... Yitzhar will keep you so busy tomorrow night that by the time you get to Bidikas Chametz, it's going to be like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and then you're not going to have time because you're in a big rush. You're going to do it 1, 2, 3. And the kids are sleeping, and you can't go into the room with the kids. Are so the main thing to do is to get it done right away. Now, let me give you a little story about introspection, about a person looking into themselves. It's a very funny story, but it's pretty sad. It's, it's a, I've said it here before, um, but it's a very important story because it's very, very true. So... Introspection means really looking at yourself. Now, there's a story like this. There was this guy, he was an alcoholic. And he used to go out, he used to go out drinking all the time to the bar. And his wife really got fed up with this guy. 
Every night he'd come home, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, stinking from alcohol, you know, fall into bed, start snoring, burping, you know, he was, he was drunk, he was a drunk. She said, listen, listen, Harry, you come back to this house one more time drunk, I'm throwing you out. With your clothing, with your stuff, out of here. No, I'm going to change, I'm going to do tshuva, I'm not drinking anymore. Okay. That lasted for a couple of hours. And she falls asleep the next night. And she's snoring away. And he's like, okay, I could sneak out, go to the bar, get a couple of drinks. I'm not going to get too drunk. Sneak back, get into bed. She'll never know I left. Brilliant idea. Okay. So he sneaks downstairs and he goes to the bar. Of course, when he gets to the bar, you know, one drink, two drinks, five drinks, ten drinks. Guy's blissed out of his brains. Right? He comes home. And he goes downstairs, and he wants to, like his mouth shouldn't smell from the liquor. So he goes to the refrigerator, and he, and he, and he fills himself up a big glass of, of Coca-Cola. Right? He figures to go upstairs, he'll take some drinks, and she won't smell the alcohol. Anyway, he's walking up the steps, and um, he falls. And the glass breaks, breaks. And when it hits the floor and it shatters... It, it breaks all over. It, the, the slivers of the glass fly into his face, and his face is totally cut up. And he's bleeding. And he's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to tell her in the morning? What, what was I doing? Right? So he runs to the bathroom, and he figures that it's perfect alibi because the Coca-Cola is all over the carpet, right? The glass is all over the carpet. He went downstairs to get a soda, and on the way up, he fell. Perfect. So he takes the Band-Aids. He's got all these cuts all over his face. And he puts the Band-Aids all over his face. Right? Sneaks into bed. And he goes to sleep. Next morning, shaking him up. She's like, get up, you drunk. Get out of my house. Take your clothing. Take your stuff. Never come back. He goes, uh, what, what, what? She goes, you were drunk last night, you snuck out of the house, you went to the bar, you were so blitzed out of your mind. He goes, what are you talking about? I, 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 I went downstairs, and I, and, I, and I went to get a glass of Coke, and I was going up the stairs, and I tripped, and, and, and it broke, and, and the glass went all over my face, and it's not my fault. She goes, yeah? She gets out of bed, she pulls him by his pajamas, pulls him into the bathroom, right? And he takes one look in the bathroom at the mirror, and he goes, uh-oh, what happened? He was so drunk that when he looked in the mirror to see the cuts, instead of putting the bandage on his face, he put the bandage on the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks in, and there's band-aids all over the mirror, and of course, none on his face, because he was so blitzed. This is a story, Isaiah's story, right? It's a cute story. It's not such a cute story. Not such a cute story. Because it's a very, very good muscle. Because people are always busy fixing their reflection. How they look in public. But they're not busy fixing themselves. They're busy putting the band-aids on the mirror. Oh, when I go to shul, what is this one going to think of me? When I walk outside, what is this one going to think of me? That's not about introspection. That's not about fixing yourself. Fixing yourself is not putting band-aids on your reflection in the mirror. Fixing yourself is putting band-aids on your face, 
on yourself, on looking at who you are, compared to who? Compared to you. Compared to your potential, not compared to the other guy. I always tell Rabbeim, you can never compare two students. You know, sometimes parents do that. It's a big mistake. Well, Chaim learns, and Chaim's a masmid, and Chaim's a good boy. Why do I have so much trouble with Maishi? Because you can't compare Chaim to Maishi. You have to compare Maishi to Maishi. And that's a hard thing for someone to do. You have to know what Maishi's potential is and see if he can live up to his potential. But Maishi's not supposed to be. You know, I, I don't like to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. Well, I was an athlete anyway. Um, now I just get tired watching people work out. But I used to, I was an athlete. So a lot of my um, mashalim are about sports, right? C- could you imagine taking a center in basketball, right, and making him a point guard and telling him, I want you to shoot threes. The guy can't even shoot from the foul line, right? But I want you to shoot threes. There would be a stupid coach, right? And, 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 and tell the little guy who's the point guard, I want you to get all the rebounds in the middle. He, he's, he, he's six foot two. He's seven foot five, right? He, this guy can't run up and down the court. He can stand underneath the basket. This guy can hit threes all day. So a stupid coach would be putting the center in, in as, 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 it doesn't work like that. In hockey, you don't put a left winger at center. You don't put a center at right winger. And if you're going to put a, a, a center as goalie, you're going to lose the game before it even starts. You're going to put a goalie, you want it to skate up. Every, every position in sports, just to explain to you in sports, everybody has a different position. Everyone has a different position in life. And therefore, the comparison is, you know, I was in a hat store today. I went to buy a hat. Guys, I mean, there were guys in that hat store. Well, I was there for over an hour and a half. And I get asked, why were you there for an hour and a half? Because I was waiting for my wife to come. So tell me if the hat looks good, right? Because uh, a connector, your wife is the mirror. Right? Don't put band-aids on your wife either. That's not what I'm trying to say. But your wife is the mirror, right? So, so I'm standing there and I'm just watching guys buy hats today. And it was like the most amazing thing. I mean, they looked in the mirror for like an hour. Then they called their brother and their sister. And how do I look? And how do I look? And how do I look? And they made the people their sugar. They tried on 1,400 different hats. And then, and then one kid said, I want a Lakewood pinch in the hat. So I went over to the kid and I said, what's a Lakewood pinch? And I said, I also want a Lakewood pinch. What's a Lakewood pinch? He says, it's not as deep a pinch as the other pinch. I'm like, so you're telling me that when I get to the Garden State, to Lakewood, to the exit, I got to start repinching my hat? Like, what's a Lakewood pinch? And what kind of pinch am I, do I have? Anyway, and I said to myself, look at, look at the, the outside pressure of what the hat has to look like, how you look in the hat. There's a mitzvah to wear a hat when you go to Davin to add something, you know, to your dress when you Davin. Just buy a hat. But we're, we're so into, you know, how you, does anyone, can anyone buy a suit without looking in the mirror? Or buy a hat without looking in the mirror? Just asking someone, they look good, they look good, yeah, okay. Everyone has to look in the mirror. Now, you have to understand how much that person looks in the mirror. If you watch how much that person looks in the mirror, then you know how much he's wearing it for himself or how much he's wearing it for someone else. Because if you want to know if you look good in the mirror, it takes five seconds. You look in the mirror, you're wearing the suit, you know, do I look good or don't I look good? When you have to start asking this one, that one, this one, the tailor, the, the saleswoman, the salesman, when you're going out the door, how does it look, right? Then you're not buying the suit for yourself. And, and our generation was so busy, was so busy. I know someone wrote me, someone sent me an email. I don't know if it came through you or through Tara, that I shouldn't talk about my car. Not, you talk too much about your car. That's what they told me. I got such an email because, because it's Gashmi. It's and you speak against 
they, they wrote this, but they wrote me. And whilst you speak against materialism, and you talk about your, 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 you know, your STSV that has 489 horsepower, and it's zero to 60, and four point, oh, I'm talking about it again. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but, in 4.2 seconds, right? And I'll tell you, I'll explain to you where I come from. Explain to you where I come from. And it's a problem. It's a problem. Because I like fast cars. I always did. I like fast cars. Whatever, my Michigan. Now, I walked in, and I like American cars. And I walked into Cadillac, and I saw this car, and it said V on the side of it. I said, what's that? And he said, that's not for you. <laughs> he said, that's for young kids who live outside of New York. And, you know, you can take it down the stretch. Where, where are you going? He said to me, where are you going? Zero to 16, 4.2. And, and, and what do you, you know, the, the speedometer goes to 160, goes to 160 without, Mr. Wallstein, and it's more money a month, right? What do you need this for? You know, you're not some young kid, you know, you want to show off. So I said something to him that, like, the guy almost fell off his feet. I said, because I like it. I, I'm not getting this car to show off. I don't care if other people don't like it. I, I like a car that has 479 horsepower. So he said, but you'll never get a chance to do that on Ocean Parkway because you're going to get a lot of tickets with this car and I said I'm not going to do it right I'm going to come late to my share and even if I do 0 to 16 4.2 so I'll come two seconds earlier it's not going to change my life I said but I want to know that if I want to do it I could do it <laughs> now that might sound very out of here and very but guess what even though I'm giving you a muscle about a car you have to know that you can do it. And to find out that you can do it, you gotta go inside. You gotta go inside. You gotta be able to say, I can learn 10 hours a day. Maybe I'm not learning 10 hours a day, but I wanna know that I can do it. So you know what? Shoes night, I'm learning all night. I wanna see if I can do eight hours of learning. I wanna go to Minion for a week in a row. Why? You wanna show your friends? You wanna tell, you're doing it for a girl? You're doing it so you can tell your friends that you changed? Why are you doing it? And when I hear this question, I'm saying, that's the problem with us. Why did someone come out with the guy and say, wow, Baruch Hashem, look, you changed. No, everyone wants to know why you're doing it. It's got to be for someone else because we live in a society that everything we do is for someone else. The Dikas Chameitz is for you. It's for no one else. You're walking through the house with a candle. In fact, you're only lighting up with the candle where the Chameitz is. You're not lighting up the whole room. Your wife and the kids can't sit down and say, okay, dad, stay in the room, I want to read. It's a little teeny candle. You're not going in there with a, you're not supposed to go in there with a, with a, what's it called? Something that has more than one wick. You're not supposed to go in there with a torch. You're not supposed to go in there with a hot dollar candle. It's going to be a little candle, a little Hanukkah candle. A little Hanukkah candle or, 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 or a white candle and put aluminum underneath so you don't get on the carpet and your wife starts screaming at you. It's a cleaning for the whole place. The guy told me, I went around my whole house, Rebbe, it was unbelievable. I bought one of those big white candles. I'm like, and what did your wife say? She says, yeah, it was mama. She was crazy. I waxed all over the place. She was screaming at me. I'm like, put the little aluminum thing underneath. Ooh. So this year, Mr. Shemi's going to put it underneath. But, but the Badika's Chameitz is, Badika's Chameitz is for yourself, guys. It's not, I'm, I'm, it's not about the car. I just want to explain to you. So this guy looked at me so weird. It's not, you're not trying to act like a, you know, like those uh, uh, 65 year old guys driving down the West Side Highway. I love those guys. In the sports car. You know, I want to see who's, who's driving the, the, the Maserati, the Testarossa. Who's driving that car? It's got to be some young guy with a lot of money, right? And you drive up and you look in the window. You get this old 80-year-old man. He has, <laughs> he has no hair over here. 
He's got a couple of years here and a ponytail in the back, right? And he's driving it, the Lamborghini, he's driving for everybody else. He's not going to put, take that car over 40 miles an hour. He'll start getting, taking high blood pressure pills to go down before. But the whole world has to see that I'm driving a Lamborghini. And that is, that is, that is wrong. That is wrong. And that's the world that we live in. And therefore, Badika's Chomets, Thursday night, you gotta go look into yourself. Forget about everybody else. It's not for everybody else. It's for you. This is what we're gonna learn about. It's a yichud. Pesach night is called a yichud. I don't want to tell you the Zoya what it says, because you may, you, you'll misunderstand what it means. But it's like the yichud room, and in the yichud room with a chas and a kala, you have to check the room, and you have to make sure that there's no way out for those nine minutes. There's no way out. And there's nobody else in the room. You gotta look under the chair and under the table and in the bathroom and all over the place. But there's nobody in the room because in the Yichud room, there's only the Chassan and Kala. The Zoya calls the night of Pesach, the Yichud between Hashem and Kleinstra. Nobody else is by your Seder, even though there's a lot of people, but that night, it's you and Hashem. Him and Hashem. Him and Hashem. And Hashem is not interested in you, what you're trying to satisfy everybody else that's around you. A cow that's busy getting dressed for everybody that's around her, you're not going to have a life because tomorrow this one has this and the next day this one has this. The person has to learn to let go, and this is what we're going to talk about, to let go of Mitzrayim, to let go of your surroundings and to become you. The problem today is that no one is themselves. Every move that they make is because, because of somebody else. Because Rat Hashem one day, I am sure I'm going to have a beard. But I'm not going to have a beard because of you. I'm going to have a beard because of me. Because I understand that a beard is important for whatever reason. But I'm never going to have a beard because of you. Because if I have a beard because of you, I don't have a beard. I have a bunch of hair on my face. Osama bin Laden has a beard. You understand? He's not a tzaddik. He's a Russia. He's not a Jew. Anybody can grow a beard. When you understand, and, and, uh, and you should have a beard, don't get me wrong. And I have to get to that level whenever I get to that level. But I will get to that level. Not because of you. Because if I'm doing it for you, it's not real. And it's not going to last. And it's not a beard. And whatever you do, you have to not do it for other people. You don't need lake with pinches and flap with pinches and all these pinches. You want, you want, you want to know why you have to wear a hat? Then sit down and learn the halakhas of why you have to put on a jacket and a hat when you go to Davin. There's a reason. If you forget your hat, is it, is it more important to miss davening, b'tzibur, and not have a hat, or to daven b'yichidis with a hat? Go ask your rabbi. I feel it's more important to daven with a minion. But there are some rabbis that say, better to daven with a hat b'yichidis than without a hat with a minion. I don't come from that. That's not where I come from. No, but there are some people that feel that way. But I, I don't come from that place. But Lamaisa, no, they have, it's based on, it's based on Allah, and it's based on real stuff, not on, uh, but they have their reasons. But a person should understand what he's doing. So Pesach night, Pesach night and Bedikas Chametz is a time for what we call introspection. Don't put band-aids on the reflection. Go inside yourself and stop your bleeding. Because mirrors don't bleed. People bleed. Mirrors don't bleed. Band-aids on a mirror in the end are not going to help anybody. That's a true Bedikas Chametz is going into somebody's soul. And there was a very big tzaddik who said, his chassidim asked him why it takes him so long. And he said, it's like an hour to look at the house. He had like two rooms in the house. And it's like seven hours to look into myself. And he went, he went by B'dikas Chomets and he sat and he thought about all the averus that he did. 
all that various he did a whole year and I did this and I did this and I, I, I went to places I wasn't supposed to and not him I'm talking us and I looked at things I wasn't supposed to and, and, and I'm making it hefker I'm selling it to the guy who's the guy Satan it's yours I don't want it anymore I don't want to talk to girls no more. I don't want this, this stupid uh, video stuff that I have, 4,000 library of 4,000 videos with my DVD. And I don't want any of this stuff. And you know what? The biggest mitzvah anyone in this room, take all your DVDs by the fire, right? On Friday, I'm serious. Take all your DVDs, watch them melt. Throw them into the fire. Throw them into the fire. I'm not kidding. With your books and your pictures and your magazines, with all your chametz, throw it into the fire and watch it melt. And watch it burn. And let me tell you something. You do that, then you really make Hashem happy. And you really, really, really got it. One, one, of, one of the boys in this, in this Chabura came up to me about four months ago. And he handed me, I don't know what they, how many they hold, but it must have been two, three hundred of them. One of these things that you zip and you put all your DVDs in, right? And he handed me all the DVDs he owns in the world. He told me it's worth thousands of dollars, whatever it is. It is. He had, right? And he handed it to me, and guess what? I didn't throw him out. Because Friday, Mitzvah Hashem, I have this huge fire in front of my house, and they're going in. I, I, and, and there's another boy, he's not here tonight, who cut off his ponytail, right? This was already two years ago, and I have his ponytail. We made a deal. I have his ponytail in a, in a plastic bag, and it's going in. And there's a couple of tongue rings and belly rings and all kinds of stuff going in. Because that's real beer chametz. That's really burning chametz. Yes, throwing your bread in and your cake in, but guys, that don't hurt. That don't hurt. Okay, give me some cereal, box of cereal. Throw away your real chametz. I challenge anyone in this room to go into his, take his real chametz and throw it into the fire. And if you're embarrassed because you don't want everyone else to see what you're throwing in the fire, so put it in a bag first and then throw it in the fire. So they got these crazy fires in, in Borough Park and the Flatbush, whatever it is. Just dump all your, all your, all your DVDs in the fire and you'll be cheres, you'll be free. All the stuff on your back will be gone. You'll be free. I, Rabbi, I spent so much money. I spent so much money. So that's part of the kapara that you spent so much money. That's part of the Avera that you spent money. That you took money, if you do an Avera, it's one thing. But you took money to do an Avera, you could have taken that money and bought something good. Throw it all into the fire, if you can. Just make sure it's not, not crazy flammable, that's all. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's, that's real Bidigas Chomet. You got to do it. You got to do it Thursday night. I'm telling you right now, I know I've said this before, but it's coming. Mashiach is coming, boys. Every simon, every sign that is given with inflation... Uh, with some people that are running for president of the United States. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but I'm very, very serious that, that it's going to be Yishmael and Esau together in the last Gullus, and that's, that's a combination of somebody that's running for president. Uh, no, it is, it is. It's, it's, it's Amer- American, is, they call as they say, Esau, and, and Yishmael together in one, in one person. And, and it's, it's all the simonim. It says that the shemen is going to be extremely expensive. That oil is going to be very expensive. Today, I think it hit its highest point, whatever it is. It says there's going to be a shortage of food in the world, which I never believed when I learned that Gemara. I said, not in our day and age. How can there be a shortage in our day and age? We have crazy farms, right? How can be a shortage? All you hear on the news, they're, they're rioting. They're rioting already in three countries because they have no food. There's a shortage in the whole world. How did Hashem work it out? That they're using food now for energy. So there's no wheat and there's no corn and there's no food because they're using it for energy. If they didn't use it for energy, then oil would go even higher. 
It's going down the path exactly the way the Gemara said. Another tzaddik, another Gadol Hador died today. Rosh Hashiva of Chavetz Chaim died, passed away today. He was one of the only ones left from the old, old Europe. He was in his 90s, whatever it is. It says in the Gemara there'll be a time where there'll be nowhere, and we'll talk about this tonight, where there'll be no one for Klai Yisrael to turn to. There'll be such a time, and that will force us all to go to Hashem. Sure, if the Chavetz Chaim was alive, we'd all say, listen, nothing can happen while the Chavetz Chaim is alive. We're protected. It's going to come a time where you're not going to be able to say that anymore. And it's coming. And therefore, all the signs are here. And it's supposed to come, Matzei Shviyas, the end of the year that's after Shemitah. We're in Shemitah. The year is ending, right? Very soon, the year that's after Shemitah. The year of Bechas HaChama. Next year, Erev Pesach, is Bechas HaChama. Every simon that is written about the times of Mashiach is coming. So I think it's a really smart idea to do a good B'dikas Chametz this year because HaKadosh Baruch is going to be looking for what do they call them? The proud and the few. That um, not everyone is going to be Zaychus for Mashiach. So I think it's going to be a very good time. It's always been a good time. It's a very good time to do a good B'dikas Chametz and to sit Thursday night and to think about it on the edge of your bed, whatever, or look at the candle. And look at a candle. Learn from the candle. It's always flickering. It's always working. It's working. Left, right, left, right. Up, down, up, down. Left, right, left, right. Look at the candle that you're using. And, and a candle disperses darkness. We're all in there. You can disperse darkness. Darkness cannot put out a candle. Go into your darkest room with your smallest candle. And darkness can never put out a candle. Hashem created that darkness cannot put out a candle, but candles can dispel darkness. So everyone in this room is, in, is a neshama, and everyone in this room has a kayach to dispel darkness. So just, I know no one ever said to you, spend some time in B'dikas Chametz. Spend some time in B'dikas Chametz. Think about what's going on in B'dikas Chametz. And go inside yourself and, and, and prepare yourself for a huge Pesach. Matzik Shabbos Pesach. That's amazing. Pesach night by the Seder, we're so dead tired. It's like Purim when you're fasting and people want to make noise and you're screaming at them. Pesach, everyone is dead tired and the mother is dead tired and the father is dead tired and the poor little kids want to say it's about tired. like, tomorrow night, buy the meal tomorrow. Have you heard that? Say tomorrow by lunch. Say tomorrow night. Well, this year, you can't do much Shabbos because you can't eat chametz after 11-something, right? So that's done, or 10-something. 10-something, you can't eat chametz. So you can learn... And you can sleep. And on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to sleep. And you can't prepare for the Seder. You're not allowed to set the table. You're not allowed to make the marah. You're not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to take out the matzah. You're not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to prepare for after Shabbos. So you could sleep five hours so that you could stay up till four o'clock in the morning by the Seder, Matzah Shabbos. There's no excuse. And it's Matzah Shabbos. And it's Malava Malka. Right? It's Matzah Shabbos. And it's Malava Malka. It's, and it's Yantif. Matzah Shabbos. Forget about it. You make, you know, it, it's an amazing Seder. So, so to prepare yourself for an amazing Seder, you have to have an amazing B'digas Chometz. So that's why I wanted to spend a little time tonight on a subject that's mamish, never used. I try to figure out with the spoon business, some gematria, so I didn't come up with anything. But, um, there's a wooden spoon and a feather and a candle. And you take the feather and you take the Chometz and you put it in the wooden spoon. Why? Why not in a cup? Why not in a bowl? Why not in a plate? Why a wooden spoon? I didn't find the answer. But if I do, I'll send you guys an email. Okay. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about about the Seder. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Kriyos Yamsuf. So, the seventh day of Pesach is called Shvi Yishol Pesach. Shvi Yishol Pesach, which I never spoke about before, which I'm going to speak about tonight. Shvi Yishol Pesach, we celebrate Kriyos Yamsuf. 
The splitting of the Yamsuf. There's two parts to Pesach. There's leaving Mitzrayim. But when you left, we left Mitzrayim, we got out of Mitzrayim, but we were being chased by the Mitzrayim. And they were coming to kill us. So big deal. So I got out of jail and the cops are coming with machine guns after me. So I, it's not a, really a, it's not a time to party. Really the full party, the full simcha is Shvi Shal Pesach. Because just getting out of Mitzrayim and having a bunch of Mitzrayim running after us, behind us, and a Yamshif in front of us and getting stuck in between, that's not, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. So the, com- the completion of the Seder, we'll talk about the connection, the completion of the Seder is Shvi Shal Pesach. Shvi Shal Pesach is called Kriyas Yamsuf, all the Rebbes, all the Chassidim, Shvi Shal Pesach at night, they make a tish, and it's called the Bizeh Hayam, my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel, always says to give me a bracha, when I call him Cholamoy, they always give me a bracha, that you should have from the Bizeh Hayam, because the Jews became billionaires and zillionaires. Whatever they took out of Mitzrayim was nothing compared, because the Egyptians, for some reason, I don't know why, but when they used to go to war, not only the Egyptians, they used to go to war, they took all their jewelry, all their gold, their horses had all kinds of gold, and they had all kinds of gold. They took it with them, maybe to show the enemy that we're not scared that we're going to lose. We all have all our money with us. And that went down with the Mitzrim. And when the, when the bodies of the Mitzrim, the Jews didn't trust Hashem, and they said, maybe you didn't drown them. Maybe they went around, and they're going to catch us on the other side. So everything came out of the, out of the Yamsuf, the bodies and the gold and the silver. That's called Bizas Hayam. And Kai Yisrael took from the, from the Bizas Hayam. Anyway, there's a whole, there's a whole different chabur on that because, because it ended up in the ego, whatever. But, but he, so he always says the Bizas Hayam is, is like a, Shri Pesach is a big day for Parnassa. Big school for Parnassa because the Jew, Jewish nation became extremely rich. But there, there's a, there's a, a connection between Shri Pesach and the Seder and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about. So let's talk about for a minute about the Seder. So first of all, you have to understand something. The reason we eat matzah, because of Mitzrayim, they didn't have time, they were in a big rush, they ran out, and the dough didn't have time to bake. must have been really hot out there. And the dough baked on their backs, and they had matzah. Question, I'm sure everybody in this room was asked. God knew when they were getting out, why didn't he give them a week advance? Pack some tuna fish sandwich, make some steaks. No, seriously. All of a sudden, the last day, he rushed them. He should have told them a week before, listen, this is the night we're going out. You know, make sure... That um, you're all prepared, you're, everything's packed. He told them. He told them they're going out. He told them to go get the, to go bar, take from the midst of their clothing and everything. So he sh- what, what happened? All of a sudden, what's the chipazon? Really, they knew when they were going out. So what was the chipazon? Chipazon means boom in a, in, a, in a in a split second, in a rush, regesh, fast, really fast. So he explains that really we didn't deserve to go out. We didn't. We had a problem the whole Pesach. We, we had a big problem at Shrine. Problem with Ryan was that even though we didn't we didn't dress like them and we didn't talk like them and our names weren't like them, but we were very big into their avoid desire. The Jews were into their avoid desire. So it's interesting, right? Because this this problem we have till today. You you could talk Hebrew, Lashana Kodesh, you could dress, you know, like a Jew and you can, your name can be Chaim Moshe, Right? So how do you go to a club? And how do you go on the internet to places you're not supposed to? And how do you do that various that you're supposed to? Your name's Chaim Moshe, and you wear a yarmulke, right? And, and, and you speak, you speak Lashon HaKodesh, or whatever, Yiddish, whatever it is, ha, 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 right? So you see that in Mitzrayim, they, those three things kept them from the one level of falling to, but they did have a Zara. So he's like, hey, Chaim Moshe, come over here. 
sticky tzitzes in, you know, they dress like Jews, whatever it is, and let's bow down to this cow, or this Abayi And the answer is, the answer is, it's a very sad answer, but the answer is that as much as you look different and your name is different, but our thing is always to be like the Goyim. That's our, that's like the biggest Yetzirah of a Jew is I want to look like them. I, I want to, I, not I want to, I don't have to look like them. But, but I want to be accepted by them. That's the word I'm looking for. We, as a nation, feel like, and we're supposed to feel like that, that we're not accepted by other nations. And we're very busy trying to get accepted. I'm, I'm not going to talk my opinion on the Pope coming to shul. Okay? I don't, I don't cop this whole thing. The Pope with the rabbi, and I don't know, what is he saying? Kriyashma? I don't know, what is he saying in shul? Maybe they're going to make him the chazan. I don't know exactly what the deal is. But we're different. What's wrong with being different? Why do we have to be accepted by them? We live in the country, we pay our tax, what do we have to do? But why, and, and, and the streets of New York and the streets of Brooklyn and, and the girls and the boys, the, the, main, the most important thing by them is being accepted by the non-Jews. We have to wear diesels and we have to wear this and we have to wear that and we have to look like them and we have to talk like them. So that happened in Mitzrayim. So our big problem in Mitzrayim was the big problem that we have now, and that's why we're Mamish standing by Mashiach. The same problem we have now, we had in Mitzrayim, and that was that in Shemayim, when we, when we, we daven, we want to get out, the Satan said, Manishtana. He also said Manishtana. What's the difference between the Jews? Heim, The Mitzrayim are serving the idols. They're watching every kind of movie. They're doing everything. I know I'm being repetitive. Too bad. They're on on the internet. You understand? They're going to clubs. They're hanging out. They're into the black culture music. They're walking around, you know. And the Jewish kids are doing the same thing. So, what are you coming to Hashem? We should be saved. Israel should be saved. We should have miracles. The Satan sits there and says, Manashtana. Hashem, what's the difference? And Hashem has no answer for that. Because the truth is, what's the difference? Not only that, the Sultan goes and says, the Goyim don't talk by davening. When you go to church, they don't talk. When you go to a mosque, they don't talk. And by Jews, they do talk. So, Hashem has no answer for that. The answer for that, I heard, is a good answer. Somebody, a very big tzaddik said, I have an answer for that. He said, Hashem, I have an answer for that. It's very simple. The Yitzhahara by a Jew, the Yitzhahara by a Jew is to talk by davening. The Yitzhahara by a guy is not to talk by davening. Because he's praying to the wrong one. So the Yitzhahara says, shh, pray, don't talk, don't talk. <laughs> keep praying, keep praying. And by us, he comes and says, stop praying. He's praying to Hashem. He's saying Hashem. Stop praying, stop praying. It's a good answer. For Hashem. You know, there are tzaddikim that always can learn something good about Klai Yisrael. He said, that's our Yitzhara, so we have a hard time. The Yitzhara is, shh. He says, they keep it better than we keep ours, because some people don't talk by davening by Jews. But by then, nobody talks. So they keep, they're listening to the Yitzhara, they're all listening to the Yitzhara. Go, you know, talk to this piece of wood, that piece of wood. This little man, that's a, I'm not allowed to say little fat man, a girl wrote me a whole thing. How could you say that? He's a bit, he's not a very Yitzhara. He's, he, Buddha is, is, is the prophet. Buddha is the, Buddha is the priest, but he's not the Avodah Buddha is not the God, and you make fun of their God, and I wrote back to her, you got a big problem. Okay? And then I went ahead and I did my, I Googled Buddha and the whole thing, and I found many verses in there that are Mamash Avodah about 
tubings and different, different things. And I sent it to her and I haven't heard from her since. But here, here, I'm making fun of a little fat man that can't lose weight, right? And this is bothering a Jewish girl who's listening to me, who's listening to my shir. So she's not the, right? You're not allowed to make fun of other religions. I said, didn't make fun of the religion. She said, the guy can't lose weight. I wouldn't bow down to him. I mean, he's got a problem. I'm saying. But she got all, why? Why? Because how can you, you have to be liberal. You have to accept them. We have to be accepted. And Rebel Austin, you're going to get up and talk about little fat man Buddha, right? You're not going to be accepted. Then what's going to happen? People are not going to accept us anymore. They're not going to accept us anymore. Let me tell you something. They don't accept us anyway. <laughs> With all your trying, in Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim didn't want to... You went to the Mitzrayim, you know, to Cleopatra's club, uh, whatever, you know. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, you might have danced with them. You might have been there. And then when you walk out, they spit on the floor. You Jew. It hasn't changed since you see us Mitzrayim. We're not accepted because you think you hang out with them and you, you listen to their music and you bounce down the street like them and you wear your, 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 your pants with your pockets behind your knees and whatever the other garbage that they wear, right? You, you think they look at you and say, oh, he's not a Jew, he's one of us. One president gets up in this country and says, you kill the Jew, you get his house and his bank account, well, we're not going to last five seconds. We wouldn't last 50 seconds in this room. What, what, what do you think Hitler did? That was his, that was his brilliant. He said to the Germans, if you kill the Jew, you have his house, and you have his car, and you have all his property, and you have his position, and you have his job. Boom, six million in a minute. If you think for one minute it's any different, you're a fool. If they got up and said, every single Jew, you have his house, and his money, and his position, and his business, and you could attack his children and his wife and do whatever you want, you think we'd last for more than 30 seconds? We don't last for more than 30 seconds. We want to be accepted. We, we, we should want to be accepted by our own. That's the problem. We don't want to be accepted by our own. We want to be accepted by everybody else. That was Mitzrayim's problem. And the Yetzirah said to Hashem, The Jews got what they want. They're just like the Egyptians. And Hashem could do nothing. Until the night of Pesach, at the moment of 12 o'clock midnight, on the night of Pesach, when the Jews hit the 49th level of Tumah, and Hashem knew that if we were there for another second, we, His children would never come out, then there was no more reasoning. Then there was what, we can't call it panic, but there was a moment in Shemayim where God was going to lose His children. And when God was going to lose His children, there's no, there, there doesn't have to be a fair deal. When a person's chas v'shalom going to lose a child, he will do whatever it takes to save that child. It doesn't have to logically make sense. So as long as we were floating along, we were in bad shape, but we weren't critical that we were going to be gone forever. So Kajboko had to deal with the Satan. But the minute his children were at a point where one more second in Mitzrayim, we were dead, Kajboko, he just grabbed us out of the, out, out of the street. The car was coming, it missed the kid, but it, it was just about to hit the kid, and the father grabbed him and pulled him out of the street. You don't got to give no reasons. You don't have to have no logic. Oh, why'd you grab that kid? Uh, the other kid in the street, uh, even though he's not your son, he's a, he's a much better kid. Your kid's a brat. <laughs> why, are you crazy? That's exactly what happened in Shemaim. Exactly what I just told you. Exactly what I just told you. The Jews, 
The Mitzvah are just like, why you save this kid, not that kid? What are you, stupid? That's my son. I'm going to save that kid before my son? Because Baruch said, I'm going to give you an answer. That's my son. So therefore, because Baruch took it out of Mitzrayim, B'chipazon, a planned thing, you have to give a cheshman. Plan? Taking them out with a plan? Packing up? Why are they packing their valises? Why do they get out? They don't get out. They're just as good as they are. So it came to a point where Hashem let it come to a point where another second in Mitzrayim, the car hit us. So he just pulled us out of there the last second. And the Zayar says, and Rabbi Pinkus says this, and it's amazing. And he says, that is the greatness of Pesach night. Pesach night, because you live every Pesach, what happened on that Pesach, was put into the world a critical situation with God's children where he had to pull them out of the highway without any talk, excuses, reasoning, or anything else. And therefore, on Leil Shemurim, on Pesach night, any Jewish person, no matter what situation they're in, has the power to get pulled out of the highway by a Kodesh Baruch Hu without any reasons. Akala, you don't have to give a reason. Why do you love her? You, you told me, I, I hear this all the time, we had a guy tells his friend, listen, so what are you looking for in a girl? 5'8", blonde hair, blue eyes, um, rich father, um, she has to have a degree, for sure, very skinny, this is his, this is his plan. He gets engaged, his friend comes to the house, right? She's not blonde, she don't have blue eyes, her father doesn't have a dollar, she never went to college, right? And he looks at his friend and he goes, what happened? What happened to the plan? And he looks at him and says, are you stupid? I'm in love. And the guy who was never in love before because he's a single guy says, I'm stupid? You didn't check him off. You didn't check off anything on your list. What's going wrong with you? What are you stupid? Because you don't never fell in love. When you fall in love, there's no list. There's a list. There's no love. Anybody comes with a list and says, listen, Rabbi, I'm going out there ten times, and I had, I had ten requests that I wanted, and I have five. You think I should marry her? I'm like, get out of here. Get out of my house, man. Get out of my house. Not a checklist. Get out of my house. Are you crazy? Yeah, but it's five out of ten. What do you think? You know, 50% chance it'll work, you know? I'm like, if you didn't take your list, after five dates and throw it in the garbage, it's the wrong girl. Because Baruch Hu fell in love with Klai Yisrael and got engaged and made a decision. Engagement is the, is the beginning of your commitment. Because Baruch Hu, it's really the commitment, that's the truth. You have to break the engagement not to get married. The engagement is the commitment. The marriage is not the commitment. To get, once, you, once you're engaged, if you never got engaged, so the marriage is the commitment. But once you're engaged, that's the commitment, not the marriage. The marriage is just when you committed when you got engaged. I'm getting engaged, will you marry me? Right? So it's just a walkthrough. The marriage is just a walkthrough. The big move is when the guy gets on his knee and says, will you marry me? He's, he's committing. And she's committing. That's the commitment. And to get out of the commitment, you have to break the engagement. And many Rabbanim will tell you, get married and, and, and get divorced. Better than breaking the engagement. Yeah, some people hold like that. Whatever it is, we, we don't, we don't, but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, there's some big people that say, break, because marriage has a divorce. So you have a marriage and you have a divorce. An engagement is no way to break it. Because it doesn't have a condition. 
So there's a shtar mechila, and you have to write a shtar mechila, whatever it is, to ask forgiveness, the girl has to ask the boy, the boy has to ask the girl, whatever it is. But the, the commitment, right, that commitment is one second, and saying, will you marry me? Hashem should forgive me. Sometimes, and I'm not saying that's what happened here, I'm just giving you my thoughts. Sometimes, you're not committed until the, till you, till you almost lose the girl. Yeah, maybe, I'll see, yeah, we'll go out another 152 times, we'll go for six years. Right, and all of a sudden she says, listen mister, somebody just read me a great shidduch. Either, either we're getting engaged, I'm out of here. All of a sudden, nah, he doesn't believe her, right? All of a sudden she starts dating, I have a friend. I have a friend that was going out with a girl, eh, I don't know, but da, 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 da. So somebody else read the girl a shidduch, she started going out, she went out ten times with the other guy, she liked him, all of a sudden this guy reappeared. And he said, you know what, I thought it over, I want to get engaged. She was going out the tenth time with the other guy, all of a sudden he shows up on one knee, will you marry me? She's like, what happened? And what happened was, he thought he's going to lose her. The other guy's going to get her. He's going to lose her. Came Pesach night, it was either Hashem's taking us out of Mitzrayim, or we belong to the Sutta, we belong to the Avaydazara of Mitzrayim. So at the same moment that he pulled us out of the street to save us, he fell in love with us. And he committed to us. And he took us out of Mitzrayim. And that was his commitment. Matan Torah, Shvuis, that's the fulfillment of the commitment that happens by the Seder. So do you have any idea what kind of night Pesach is? Yom Kippur is not called Leil Shemurim. There's no other day of the 365 days of the year that at night you can leave your doors open and Hashem says to the Klai Yisrael, I will personally watch you tonight, you have nothing to worry about. Leil Shemurim Hu. It is the holiest of the holiest of the holiest night because that's the night that He committed to us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you need to sit by that Seder and you need to talk about the Chassan. And that's why it's a mitzvah, Sipa, Sitzis, Mitzrayim. Don't sit there, okay, when, when, when are we having the matzah bowl? When are we having the soup? Come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Shut up. Come on, let's sing. Keep quiet. Okay, we're finished. 11.15. A record. Baruch Hashem. That's what you're returning for Hashem committing to us? For pulling us out of the road before the car hit us? So I really don't want to talk, to you, talk, to, talk about you, Hashem. And you don't have to read out of the Haggadah. You can read from, your, read from your heart. And, and, and many of the tzaddikim say that you should talk, and this, this is really important, you should talk by the, the, the Seder about personal salvations. About personal Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. If you're about tshuva, you should sit and talk about why you changed, when you changed, when God showed up in your house. If you were saved in a car accident, that was in a car accident, Hashem was there, I felt Him in the, in, whatever. My father used to read by every single Seder, used to read a, 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 a poem that my great-grandmother whatever wrote during the Holocaust, whatever it is. All the salvations of Klai Yisrael, you're supposed to talk. One of the biggest things is the Haggadah, I don't know where to buy it, but the Haggadah from that came out of the Holocaust. Different stories of, of, of Pesach and the Holocaust. Your own salvation to sit by the Seder because you're talking about the Chassan. Hashem is the Chassan. And, and that's what a person's Seder is all about. Not to be in a rush. Not to get out of there. You should say, tell me another story. Let me hear another story about how Hashem saved you. It's amazing. You could have a Seder till 4 o'clock in the morning. Why did those great rabbis, it says, they were sitting in B'nai Barak, and, and they tell me they had to come up in the morning. They knew a lot how to learn much more than us. They were so excited because they were married. They were engaged to the Kala. They wanted to talk about the Chassan. They wanted to talk about the Chassan. 
Hashem comes to the table. He says it to Kavayosha. He comes with all his malachim and he says, listen to how the cow is talking about me. And you're talking about the Yankees and about, I don't know, Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments and whatever. Some other, some other stuff, whatever it is. Nebuch! That's what the Chassan wants to hear. That's what the cow is talking about him. Let's get to the main dish. Come on, let's go. What's for dessert? Then you miss the whole point of what Pesach is. On top of that, we build because as a nation, we were not a nation until we left Mitzrayim. There was Avram, and there was Yitzchak, and there was Yaakov, and there was 12 Shvatim, and there were 70 people. But we were not a nation until we left Mitzrayim. So the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, was born at that time. Now we know that Kol Yisrael, Arabim Zelazer, we're all connected. Everybody in this room is connected. If he does something wrong, this guy does something wrong, that's my toe hurting me. Let me tell you something. This week I had a toothache. And my tooth is definitely not connected, right, to my knees and my back. I was prancing and dancing. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do anything. It was going out of my mind. Because there's something up here, right, that was infected. It affected everything in my body. So every aver in your body, every part of your body affects, right, a hair follicle that's infected and it's killing you and it messes up everything. So a person in Klai Yisrael, each one of us, affects everybody else. So therefore we, in, in Kabbalah, the, the Klai Yisrael is one body, one person. And certain people fit into the ear and some people are the toes and, 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 and the bottom of some people come from the bottom of Adam's foot, whatever. There's different, in Kabbalah, you learn different parts of the body. And different kinds of people in the world, this guy's part of the hand, this guy's part of this. You learn all kinds of, but we're one body. Kaleishrael is one body. That body that Kaleishrael is, is built every Pesach, first, every Pesach Seder, we build every year the body of Kaleishrael. Now, how do we build the body? The Gemara says, the Gemara says that there are three partners in a person. A father, a mother, and God. What does the father give the person, the Gemara says? The father gives the person everything that's white. Bones, skin, the white of your eyes. The mother gives the person everything that's colorful. Hair. Now, it doesn't mean if your mother's a redhead, you're a redhead. But the hair, not the color of your hair, the things that have color come from the mother doesn't matter what color it is. The color of your eye, the color of your hair, your blood, right? Anything in your body that's green, blue, red, whatever it is, that comes from your mother. Anything that's white, that comes from your father. And the Gemara says, then the sham of a person comes from God. Those are the three partners. So how do we build, how do we build a person? So matzah, matzah is white. Matzah is etzem. It's hard, Right? person's bones, the skeleton, what's the main white thing of a person? It's your skeleton, because everything else is on the skeleton. Your skeleton are your bones. All that the mother gives, right, is on the skeleton. You don't have the skeleton, you got a bunch of mush. You have nothing. The liver, the kidney, everything in the body, if you take out a person's, if you debone a person, you take out all his bones, you just got a pile of mush. You don't have a human being, right? But, you don't have a human being. You wouldn't know if, God forbid, they took all the bones out of a human body and they asked you, what is that on the floor? I don't know. I don't know what that is, right? But if you took a human body and you took everything off the body, except the skeleton, right? When a person died, everything off the body, no skin, no color, no rib, no, no kidneys, no heart, no nothing. You would look at the skeleton, you would know it's a person. So the, the basic part of the person 
that you build the person on is his atzamos, is his bones. The, the basic part of the Seder that you build the Seder on is your matzah. It's your matzah. After Kalman's matzah, the three matzahs, right? Is the mitzvah of matzah. That's the basis of your Seder, but it has no color. And therefore, matzah is the orisa. Matzah is a mitzvah from the Torah. Yes? No. No emotions. You gotta eat matzah. The mother, how do you build, how do you build the, the color of the human? So, so the matzah Pesach night builds that summit. How do you build the color? The yayin. The wine. The wine is the color red. Red is blood. So the yayin, the yayin is the mother, comes from the mother. Drinking four cups Pesach night by the Seder is not the Orisa. It is not the Orisa. It's not a mitzvah from the Torah. It's a mitzvah de Rabbanon. Why? It's beautiful. Why? Because emotions, emotions is human. God can't tell someone, be happy. Right? Be happy right now. You can't tell me to be happy. I have to be happy. So the wine, which is the blood, which is the emotions of a person, hot-blooded, cold-blooded, the blood's rushing to my face, the blood's rushing up my neck, right? That part is emotion. Emotion has to be the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon are laws that are made by humans. Because Shemayim can't tell us how to have our emotions. We, we, we have to get that from ourselves. So therefore, that, that part of the Seder, that part is the, is the four cups, and that's the Rabbanon. And then Hashem says, okay, you have the matzah, you have the wine, now you need the neshama, right? What's the neshama? The neshama is the sipa yitzis mitzrayim. Hashem, the neshama gives the sipa sitting and reading the Haggadah and saying the Torahs. That puts the neshama in the Seder. If you're just going to sit there and eat your matzah and drink your wine and dip your, eat your kapas and eat your mara and have no emotion, right? Then you don't have blood. The Seder has no blood. The Seder has no life. Seder doesn't have blood. Chas there's no blood in a Seder. Now, I don't want anyone to hear this and think that Jews don't have blood by a Seder. What I'm talking about is the emotion in the Seder. So if you don't have emotion in the Seder, so you have a lifeless Seder. And if you have emotion in the Seder, but the emotion is not Sipas Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, it's emotion, you're talking about business, family fights, your cousin, your uncle, whatever. That's the wrong emotion. There's no neshama. So a body... It has no soul, and it just has blood and, 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 and bones. Without a soul, it doesn't, it's not alive. So you need all three things by the Seder to create this body. Now, if I have such a Seder, and you don't, right? That means that part of the body has blood, has soul, and has bones. But part of the body is dead. And that makes the body, if part of the body is dead, that means like someone got a stroke, and, and that's paralyzed. So the whole Kleistral, and that's why you invite people. Everybody come into my house. Everyone be part of my Seder, because you're part of my body. We're all one. We're all considered part of the body. Now, let's jump. So you made the person. You got this person. You made him by the Seder. You, 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 the Marami Prague. You made a guy. You're not a guy. You made a person. You drank the wine. You put the blood into the body. You, you, you ate the matzah. You, you created the bones. You, you received your time. Now you have this person. But there's a problem. This person is being chased. We're being chased by Mitzrayim. Look at the story, right? We're out of Mitzrayim. We're running. We're being chased. What happens? We'll end with this. 
So the Jews are stuck. Behind them are the Egyptians with every kind of weapon, right? Every kind of weapon. And in front of them is the Yamsuf, and the water's running. It's, 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 it's levitating. It's not like a, a lake, a quiet lake. There's waves, and, and the Jews are stuck, right? So what happens? So he, he begins, Vayom HaShem Moshe. So Moshe starts to daven. Vayom HaShem Moshe. Why are, you, why are you screaming to me? Why are you davening? Daven Israel. Don't talk to me now, Hashem says. What are you talking to me for? You turn around to the Jews and tell them, Travel, let's go, keep going. So Rashi says here, this is, this is very important, because this is the whole Shvi Yishol Pesach. Rashi says like this. Rashi says, Matitzakalai. Now's not the time to daven long The Jews are in trouble. Let's go. Hold on. I, I have a problem here. Hashem, we got a problem. What's the problem? We got water here. We got a bunch of crazy Arabs here. Right? They're going to blow themselves up. They got grenades and all kinds of stuff taped to their body. Right? They want to blow us up. They're behind me. The water's in front of me. Moshe Rabbeinu says, what do Jews do when they're in trouble? Menyan. Anyway, take out your tehillim. Let's daven. Hashem says, what are you kidding me? Now's not a time to daven. Time to go into the water. Hold on, Hashem. How did you solve my problem? We got Arabs. We got water. So you're supposed to tell me, okay, I'll get rid of the water. Hashem didn't tell him, I'm going to split the arms, so I'm going to get rid of the water. He said, no problem. Go into the water. Moshe said, Hashem, that is the problem. The problem is that there's water. What are you telling me to go into the water for? It's a very, very hard passage to understand here. Moshe Rabbeinu is davening, Hashem, please, we need a miracle. Split the yam, freeze the yam, we'll walk on the ice. Work something out over here, you know? How about a bridge? That's not so hard, right? We got, right? Imagine, imagine, imagine the Jews in those days, they would see the George Washington Bridge, right? They would say, oh my goodness, this is bigger than splitting the yam. Mamash, the whole nation can climb, right? Because can just put up a bridge. So hard to put a bridge. We can put up a bridge. Put up a bridge. The army, they put up pontoons, right? And, and they have those marine guys. One, two, three, they're across the river. Split the yam, 12 different splits. And, and, and you can take anything you want out of, out of the walls if you're hungry. And everyone saw each other. And then the Egyptians have to go in and they get drowned. Make us a bridge. We get across. Pull the string. Bridge blows up. They're stuck on the other side. Have a nice life. Or while they're on the bridge, let it collapse. So Moshe Rabbeinu was davening, Hashem, please, please, please. We need a miracle. Listen, you took us out of Mitzrayim. They're crying. I'm davening, Hashem, help us. Hashem's like, no, no, stop davening. Okay, really? You're going to do something? You're going like, to blow math? No. Get into the water. How's that, how's that going to happen? How's that going to help? Where did Hashem help us here? It's a beautiful terrorist. The Zoyar says this. So there's two terrorists. One is the one that's given to everyone. And that is that when they came to the water, we had the same problem again. They came to the water, Hashem said, split. Hashem told the Yam to split. The Yam said, you created me. And you created me on the second day or whatever, and, and, or third day, and, and that's how you created me. And that's Bria. So now how can you tell Hashem, Hashem said, split, you split, right? But he was tiny, and then he, he threw it in. He said, hey, my Dabai Dizara, hey, my Dabai Dizara. Hashem, I'll, for you, I'll change my Teva. Well, now for them. These people, why, if I split, I'll split for both of them. Okay, you want me to split? I'll split. 
But just like the Jews serve Avodah Zarah, the Arabs serve Avodah Zarah. So let them all both, let them all go through. Right? That's what he said. He was Teva. He was Teva. Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you're going to go in the world of Teva, you want to build a bridge, it ain't going to happen. In the world of Teva, it's not going to happen. Because they deserve as much as, as the Jews deserve. So he says, somebody has to be Mesiras Nefesh. So, the norm of a human being, right, our norm, our Teva, our Teva is to fight to live. We'll do anything to live. Right? That's our Teva. That's our nature. To live. Nature is being destroyed today. That's why you have suicides and all this other stuff. Because the world's not natural anymore. You've got men and men and women and women and all this stuff that's not natural in the way Hashem created the world is destroying nature. So if you want to know why an eighth of an inch of ice is melting in the ice cap, it's not because you're using plastic bags. <laughs> it's, because, it's because they're doing things in the village, virus, and that they want to elect people who are liberals who say that men can marry men, in this, and in this state they allow it, and in this state they allow it, and in this country they allow it. So that's against Teva. When you start messing with Teva, and you break Teva, nature, the natural way of Hashem created the world, then the nature itself breaks down, and therefore, yeah, ice caps melt, hurricanes, tornadoes in the middle of cities that never had tornadoes anymore, because in America, in your cities, there are other things going on that never happened before. And if you're going to mess with my Teva, says Hashem, then, then Teva is going to be destroyed. And that's why, when, when, when the final Hashem destroyed the world, right, the Medrash says that trees... Apple trees were crossbreeding with orange trees, and birds and zebras were crossbreeding with hippopotamuses, and 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 everything except the fish, everything was messing around. Now, one second, a hippopotamus doesn't have a brain to walk by and say, "Hey, that giraffe, mm. I want to, I want to hang out with her," right? So he, he doesn't have brain. He has he has teva, he has instinct. His instinct is to breed with his own species. And birds with their own species, right? So what happened? Hashem didn't tell the giraffe, go to the hippopotamus. What happened is that the minute the world, there was hashchosa, and it had all these averis, it goes into, it go, we control the nature of the world. And once we break our nature, the world's nature breaks. And that's why the whole world got destroyed. And Hashem had to take the whole world, says the Zayar, and put it under water. It says in the Chumash that the highest mountain was covered. Who cares? And the Zayar says, because it had to go into a mikvah. And therefore it rained for 40 days. Hashem took the whole earth and he stuck it on the water because it was so tummy. The earth, the rocks, the dirt, the, 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 the earth, the middle of the earth, 10,000 feet down, 10,000 miles down. The whole earth was tummy. Why? Because of us. And therefore Hashem took the whole earth and he put it in the mikvah, not only in the mikvah, but he kashered it. The water was boiling. The tohoim opened up and the water was boiling. So if we're wondering in our day and age why bees are dying, I just read a whole thing on it. Because I'm like very into, into what Hashem creates in the world. And, and, and there's going to be a shortage of honey next to Shoshana. Not a joke. And, and, and it's, it's destroying half the world's flowers and stuff. Because the bees, they don't know why. They have a virus. And the queens are dying. And nobody knows why. I know why. And I can't even say it on tape. But I know why the bees are dying. There's no question why they're dying. And specifically bees. And there's a reason. And they're dying because of all the virus that, that, that the human beings on this world are doing. So now the, the bees are dying. And, and next will be other things that are dying. And yeah, yeah, the world's going to melt and whatever. That's us. It's not plastic bags. It has nothing to do with plastic bags. Or anything else that they're complaining about. It's, it's the world. It's the world. So the Yamsa of Set Hashem, why are they different? You want me to split? I'll split, but I'm going to split for both of them. Why are they any different? So Hashem said to Moshe, 
davening doesn't, this is beautiful, if Shimshin says, davening doesn't make us different boys. The Muslims daven, the Christians daven, all the religions daven. Davening for a Jew doesn't make us any different. What makes us different? Mesiras Nefesh. We're willing to give up from our lives for Kajabach. So Hashem told Moshe, you're using the wrong method. It's not going to work. You're going to stand there and daven all day and the Yom is going to say, very nice. A lot of other people, the Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim also daven. I'm not splitting. Hashem said, no, you've got to go into the Yamsuf. You've got to walk into the Yamsuf. You walk into the Yamsuf, he has nothing to say anymore in the Yamsuf. Because the Mitzrim are not wa- ready to walk into the Yamsuf with the water there. And that's when Nachshem ben Aminadov jumped into the water and didn't daven to Hashem to help him until the water was up to his nostrils. And he should have, when he, when, he got, when he got into his chest, he should have said, Hashem, I'm in. I believe in you. Now do it. Split it. He had to get to a point where he could not breathe naturally in the na- nature of the world. When the water went over his nose, there was no way that he could live. He's not a fish. So at that point, that was Mesiras Nefesh, because to stand on your tippy toes and breathe through your nose, you're really a hero and you're really showing you believe in Hashem, but you're still breathing. You're still not breathing. That's a separate. But you're still not breathing. But then... Once the water went over his nose, boom, that was it. He couldn't breathe anymore. When he couldn't breathe, and he broke, the, and he broke the teva. When he broke the teva, then Hakadosh Baruch Hu broke the teva for him. There's a huge secret in this. A secret for all of you guys to know for the rest of your lives. A huge secret in Kriyas Yamsuf, which is Shvi Yishol Pesach. And the and, and, and the Zayas is one other reason, which is Rav Shimshon says he doesn't really understand it, but he did understand it, and he said something even bigger. He said that Hashem said to Moshe, why are you praying? Because I don't know if you're going to chop this. You should you think about this, but it took me a long time. I had to hear it over and over. And then I chopped it and I was like, whoa. Hashem said, listen carefully, that praying at this point is not the highest level of Amunah. Praying at this point is not the highest level of Amunah. What's the highest level of Amunah? The highest level of Amunah is saying, that's not water. That's not water. What's in front of me? Whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, Hashem made it. So, Hashem can take it away. I don't got a problem walking into this. It's nothing. The same God that made water, make a person drown, can make water, you can eat it. Like, you can be like a fish. We can grow gills. Who said we, we should, Hashem will make us grow gills. So, so the Zoya says, it's amazing. He says, look at the plastic. Hashem said, my if you're screaming at me, it's still water. If it's still water, you're not on the top level. If you're still looking at water, then you don't have the real Amuna. You have to be looking at it, it's sand. It's dry dirt. Because the same way Hashem made dry dirt, He made water. What am I worried about? Hashem said, go in, go in. So He said, if you're yelling at me, you're not on the highest level. What is, what's the highest level? The highest level is, you know what Amuna is. Talk to me, you your soul. It's dirt. They should just walk into it like it's dirt. If you're davening, means the plane's crashing, and you're davening to Hashem, please, 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 it shouldn't crash, it shouldn't crash. That's very nice. But imagine a guy sitting there and going, nothing to worry about. God made planes, they weigh 4,000 tons, they fly in the air. If he wants us to land safely, we'll land safely. Now, you're right, right? You've got to be on a crazy level to be at that point. I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you this. But there's some non-Jews that walk on fire. Right? And they don't burn their feet. How do they do that? 
It's not fire. In their head, it's not fire. They get to a point in their mentality, in yoga, and in being able to go deep into themselves, they are walking on carpet. There's no fire. And if it's not fire, it can't burn them. It's not black magic. You can get yourself to... So that's using it the wrong way. That's using it the wrong way. You know, using it the right... And that's what they do. The monks in, in Buddha, that's what they do. They walk on nails. Your feet would have nails right through them. They walk on nails. They lay on nails. They sleep on nails. It's not nails. It's not I'm sleeping on nails. I'm sleeping on a mattress. But I see nails. But in my head, it's a mattress. And if it's in my head a mattress, it's a mattress. Sarakosh Baruch Get to that level that... But you saw, just walk in. It's nothing. There's nothing there. It's land. You're going from land, and you're coming from land. That's what the Zoya says. The Zoya says, that's the level that Hashem wanted them. So he says, Moshe, don't dive in now. That's the wrong level. That what it means. I got water. They're nails. And it's crashing. Help me, help me. It's like, this isn't nails. This isn't a problem. When a person is having a problem in their life, this isn't a problem. The self-healing, that's something to, this is not a problem, I don't have this. Yeah, it has to be, you can't just do that when you got a problem. It's got to be like that all the time. That's the connection to HaKadosh Baruch That's what he wanted Klai Yisrael to get to that level over here. And they talk and Nachshin got there, he walked in. And he just walked in. And he was the first one to walk in, and then the Yam split. He just walked in, he said, what are we worried about here? What exactly are we worried about? If God tells us to travel, you can't drown. So maybe we'll get fins, maybe we'll get, we'll get gills, I don't know. Whatever it is, it'll work. That's Shvi Shal Pesach. That, from Leil Pesach to Shvi Shal Pesach. That's from leaving Mitzrayim to becoming, really we became a nation on Shvi Shal Pesach. Because when Mitzrayim was destroyed, that's when nobody was chasing us anymore. That's when we really got out of Mitzrayim. Because getting out of jail and having guys run after you, having the police after you, you're not out of jail. You're on the run. When they're not after you anymore, then you're a free man. What's the difference between a guy who is a fugitive and a free man? There's one difference. They're both out of jail. The fugitive's out of jail and the free man's out of jail. What's the difference? One guy has people running after him. That's the fugitive. The other guy, he has no one. He's out of jail. He's free. His time is up. He has nobody running after him. On two Shviel Shal Pesach, we weren't really free. Shviel Shal Pesach is very, very huge. Therefore, what we learn from this which each one of you can take for your life is there are many problems in life, shiduchim and in business and in health and a lot of a lot of things. And some things, derechateva, it's a problem. It's derechateva. How am I going to do this? I lost this customer. I lost this customer. I lost my job. How am I going to pay my bills? It's it's, it's derechateva, and you can't change it. The only way to change it is because the sultan's always going to say, "What's the sultan going to say?" The sultan's going to say. I understand Hashem. If you want to save this guy, and he does this, and he does this, and he does this, then you have to save this guy, and this guy, and that guy, and this guy, and this guy. Why only this guy? And, 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 and there's a din v'cheshven, and you, and you don't get saved. But, if you change something in your life that's your teva, you have a nature, you're cheap. You have a nature, you have a fast temper. You have a nature, you like to look at girls. Whatever your nature is, your teva, that's your nature. If you could change that, you can change your teva, then you have a right to ask Hashem for things, and the Satan can't say anything. Because just like when, a, when, when the Yamsuf saw that we changed our teva, and like he said about Yosef Atzadik, says, Hayom Ra, you said in Hal, Hayom Ra, the, the Yam saw something, 
right? And he ran. So one was Nachshon. Another one was, he saw Atzmas Yosef, says Rashi. He saw the bones of Yosef. What, he was scared of the bones of Yosef? And the answer is that if you look in Chumish, it says by Yosef, she grabbed on, Potiphar's wife grabbed on to his shirt, right? By he ran out, by Yonas he ran out. She grabbed him, she wanted to do an Avera, a sin with him, and he left his jacket with her, and he ran, by Yonas, which is totally against the man's nature. It's totally against the nature. Girl, they were alone. She already told him that they weren't doing an Avera, I gave you that chair already. Everything was in place, everything was great. She's, she's taken off his jacket, right? So his nature is to stay there. So he went against his nature. Vayonos, says the Postic in Shmos. He ran. Embracious. He ran. So when Kleisro came to the, to the Yamsuf and the Sultan said, came Atzmas Yosef. Atzmas Yosef said, I went against my nature. I ran away from that woman. I went against the man's nature. And therefore you have to split and go against your nature. And that's what we say always in Halo. That he ran away, and that's talk of what we say in Halo. So anyone in this room who is able to to fight his nature and change his nature, you got a key in your hands to do anything. Because when it comes to that, the, the Sultan has nothing to say. For the person who changes his nature, then even if naturally he's naturally in a you're in a business world today that's in a recession or a depression or whatever they want to call it. Right? So if you're in that business, naturally, you gotta go down with everybody else. But if you broke your nature, and you broke your teva, then you can turn around to Hashem and say, I know everybody else is down, but, but I broke my teva, so I can ask you to break the teva, and the Yitzhah cannot say anything. So that's, that's Pesach. Pesach is a time where Kleistrol was saved, where Kleistrol hit a, a level of Amuna that was past Tfila. Because Tfila means I, I see there's a problem, and I need you to help me. Past that is, there's no problem. With God, there is no problem. I don't even need the tefillah. But that's only at a point where you're at a point where you're in the highway, and Hashem has to pull you out of the highway. They were stuck. They were stuck at that point, and Hashem had to have, had to save us. And the only way He could save us is if we did something against Teva. So He told Moshe Rabbeinu, not davening. That's not the answer to the Sultan right now. Davening is not going to get us out. So not, don't walk away from the show. What Rabbi Wallace can teach you tonight? You shouldn't daven. No. Chas v'shalom. That's not what I'm saying. You should daven, 100%. And davening helps. But in some things, even davening, we run into a brick wall. And those things you're able to break through if a person breaks his teva. So let's just recoup what we said. Number one, a person should this Thursday night, should do bedik chametz, should look into yourself, stop putting the band-aids on the mirror, stop putting the band-aids on yourself, stop fixing yourself. That's number one. Number two, the night of Pesach is a night where Kosh Baruch Hu committed to us, and we committed to Him. And that's the most important time where He fell in love with us. And there is no reason. There is no reason. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's a very beautiful medrash, and, and I know I keep saying I'm going to end with this, but um, this is, this is really a medrash to end, because this really shows that it's Hashem. I usually I read it from inside. And the medrash says like this, they ask the Kasha, Hashem is a Kohen. For whatever it is, and, and we don't know what that means exactly, what it means a coin, it doesn't come from Aaron, but the Lushen in Malachim talk, in Shemayim talk, in Medrash and Zaya, God is a Kayin, said that. He's a Kayin. When he came down to Mitzrayim, so the Malachim said to Hashem, you can't, you can't go into Mitzrayim. Hashem said, I'm going in and I'm pulling my kids out. And the Malachim said, Hashem, you can't go there. There's a Vaydezara. And, and clubs and movies and filth and God, you're going to come from Shemayim and go into 
we'll go for you, we'll take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. That's what they said. The Malachim said, you stay in Shemayim, we promise, we're going to do exactly what you want us to do, we're going to take them out. The Medrash, it's beautiful to read inside. The Med- He's a Kayan, right? So, Akash answered him like this. Akash answered the Malachim, and he said, let me tell you a story. And he tells the Malachim a story. He says, by Kohen, Truma, right, is very, very holy, and Truma is very important. Truma by a coin is very important. So Hashem tells him a lot of a story. There was a graveyard. And in the middle of the graveyard, there was Truma in an earthen vessel that the Truma didn't become Tomei from the graves. It's a certain type of vessel where what's in the vessel doesn't become Tomei. Whatever, that's what the measure says. And the Kohen was standing on the outside of the graveyard and he's looking in at this Truma. And he's thinking to himself, if I don't take this truma out of the graveyard, it's going to rot. It's going to be, or, or someone's going to open it. If they open it, it's going to become tummy. And truma is very holy. But if a coin goes into a graveyard, it becomes tummy. And the coin looks and he says, listen, I'm going to become tummy, which by coin, by the way, is very scary because we're very, we're very not, tumma scares us because the coin, if he's tummy, can't work in the base of Hamikdash. So they were very scared of becoming tummy. And, the client looks at the truma and he says, I, I, I can't leave it in the graveyard. And he goes into the graveyard and he takes the truma out of the graveyard and he becomes Tomei for a day with Herav Shemesh, with the mikvah, whatever it is. And he becomes Tar and he eats the truma. Malach Malai, okay. So Hashem says, I'm the Kohen. It triumphs the graveyard. Klai shows the truma. I can't leave them there. I have to go and take them out. And I don't exactly understand what the Medrash says. The Medrash says Hashem became Tomei. And how he became Tar, he says throughout Akkadian. I don't know exactly what he did, but he became whatever it is. So, we have to understand as Jewish people that Hashem looks at us and He's willing to go in the most Tumadika, filthiest, dirtiest place, God Himself, to take us out of Mitzrayim. Even if, whatever that means, He became Tomei. That's true love. My wife doesn't like when I say this, but love is sacrifice. Hashem sacrificed His purity to take the one He loved out of Mitzrayim. Can you, can you explain better a relationship between us and Hashem than that? And the chassan's coming to your house, man. What's a Shabbos? The kala better be ready. Set that table beautiful. Clean yourself up. Really nice Thursday night. And when the, when the chassan comes to the table, the kala will be ready. It'll taka be what the Zayhar calls a zivug. And what's the bracha you always give? It should be a, it should be aliyafa, it should be shikayama. Zivug shikayama. And the, he says, the Zayhar says, that what you get Pesach night, your neshama gets, is a boom, an explosion. Because that night was the explosion that Hashem pulled us out of a tribe in one, in one second. And therefore, what you get that night, you don't deserve. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't steps. It was Hashem soul. We had a second left to live. He pulled us out of the highway. That's one second and you're saved. But what happens after Pesach, that only lasts for Pesach. That only lasts the first night, actually. That moment of, of, of Hashem just grabbing us and hugging us, if you ever saw someone take a child out of the highway, that hug and that love and that I don't want to let you go and 
and that Carl almost killed you, and I almost lost you forever, and I can't believe it, and, and just hold me tight, and that moment is only Pesach night. And it leaves us after the first day of Pesach, and we have to count Svira. And what's Svira? Svira is 49 steps, one step at a time, to reach the point that we had Leil Shemurim by the Seder. Don't waste that night. That's a crazy night, the first night of the Seder, before we start counting Svira. Take that night, take that beauty that comes to you, grab it, hold on to it, and maybe, Be'ezrat Hashem, not maybe, for sure, we're in the Ikvah de Meshicha, Eliyahu Navi should open the door in everybody's house at the same time in Eretz Yisrael, and we still have time, I'm a Kohen, and the busiest day for us, the busiest day all year, was Pesach. It said that on Pesach, the blood in the, in the Beis HaMikdash ran up to the knees of the Kahanim because every family had to come to Pesach. So they were shechting a whole day, thousands and thousands and thousands. Well, Rabbi Wallstein has been out of, unemployed for 2,200 and some odd years. And, you know, it's very nice once in a while to get a little vacation, but 2,200 years or whatever it is, is is too long. So I'm ready. You guys, Mitzvah Hashem, I'll be there. You'll be there. And we should all have the schutz to bring a carbon Pesach this year. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.